Welcome to Radio Tambua, an outreach of ACFA, the Africa Center for Apologetics Research. ACFA equips God's people for the defense of the faith, biblical discernment, and cult evangelism. Let's begin today's message. We've been talking about a series entitled, Can Believers Be Deceived? Can Christians Be Deceived? Now I know you are there and you are saying, excuse me, how can you be a Christian and at the same time be deceived? By Christian, shouldn't you know the truth? Shouldn't you be filled with the Holy Spirit? Can you be spirit-filled and anointed and then at the same time be deceived? The answer is no. Probably that's what you think. But I hope that as I take you through this passage uh, in First John chapter 4, you will realize that actually it is true that believers can be deceived. It is true that false teachers are here and they are not easy to know and therefore can easily deceive you unawares, which is why you need to know and do something about it. I will be reading from First John chapter 4, looking at the first six verses. And the goal of my reading really is to help you see that believers can be deceived, believers are being deceived, and believers can do something about it. Now listen to the word of God. First John chapter 4 from verses 1 to 6. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming, and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever listens to God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Praise the Lord. These are the words from none other than the Apostle John, one of the beloved disciples of Jesus Christ. Please notice how he opens his teaching. He opens it by addressing his listeners as brothers, as brethren, as beloved in Christ. In other words, there is no doubt whatsoever that the Apostle John is addressing believers, men and women who have not only confessed Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, but have become part of the fellowship of the redeemed, have become part of the body of Christ Jesus, to the extent that the Apostle John recognizes them not just as followers of Christ, but as beloved of Christ, brethren in the Lord. He considers them as one or, or part of the fellowship of those that Jesus Christ has saved. And yet to our surprise, Moving from that identification as brothers, he gives them an imperative, a command. And what is the command? Brothers, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Now, if you can pause there for a moment and wonder, why would John ask the brothers, the people he acknowledges as fellow followers of Christ Jesus, 
Why would he command them not to believe every spirit? Why would he ask them to test every spirit to see if it is from God? Doesn't that tell you something as a Christian? That John is actually saying that there is danger and believers are susceptible to this danger. In other words, believers are prone to fall victims. In other words, if there is anything John is telling us, is that there is serious danger from spirits that claim to come from God but actually do not. And believers can easily be deceived unless they are aware, unless they do something about it. So he begins by giving them an, a command and he says, do not believe every spirit, meaning they are alternative spirits that might pretend to look like those that come from God, but actually are not. So what is the solution to the problem that the Apostle John presents? He calls believers to the habit or to the discipline of testing. He calls them to what we call biblical discernment, which is the ability to tell the difference between what is true and what is error, the difference between what is right and what is wrong, and quite often the difference between what is right and what is almost right. John's call is a call to exercise spiritual discernment. It is a call for watchfulness, vigilance, and diligence upon believers that they not only know what they are believing, but they seek to examine them to be sure that what they believe or what they confess is actually true, since not every spirit seeking to teach them or convince them is actually coming from God. In short, John is saying, deception is here. Deception is real. Deception is possible even for believers. And therefore, believers must be watchful. They must stand guard. They must be diligent. They must exercise discernment. Otherwise, they will be led in error. You will notice that the Apostle John is not the only one, surprisingly, who gives these warnings and reminds us that believers can also be deceived. Almost every book in the New Testament testifies to this fact, except the book of Philemon. For instance, when you think about 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul is dealing with the denial of the resurrection of the dead and several other errors. There are some people in the church at Corinth that are deceiving believers that the resurrection of the dead is not possible. You come to Galatians, the Apostle Paul is writing to these believers at the church at Galatia, and a false teaching from Judaism has infiltrated their fellowship, where some Judaizers are teaching that for salvation to be complete, Gentile believers must first of all be circumcised before they can be fully saved. And the Apostle Paul not only rebukes the Judaizers, but warns the believers at Galatia, on the dangers of deception and how they can stand God for their faith. You come to Paul's letter to the Colossians. You have some false teachers who are trying to teach a Jesus that is less than the one we find revealed in the scriptures. They demote Jesus by distorting his identity, his personality, his humanity, his work on the cross. And the apostle Paul warns them saying, see to it that no one takes you captive. Of course, I could take you to Thessalonians, I could take you to Timothy, I could bring you back to the letters of John. The warnings against error and deception are almost on every page. Now you may wonder, why would the apostles 
make this a priority to warn believers about deception if they didn't believe or think that believers can actually be deceived. In other words, in answer to our question, can believers be deceived? The answer is an obvious yes. And as we look through this passage in 1 John chapter 4, the Apostle John will not only say it is possible, but he will tell us that it is already happening. He will show us how it is happening. But more importantly, he will tell the believers how they can identify false teaching from true teaching and therefore be able to stand firm for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. So in this passage, we will be looking at some of those characteristics that John is giving us that you and I can use in order to, to distinguish truth from error and therefore be able to defend our own faith. He gives at least five tests in these passages, and I want to give them to you one by one, and then I will give some explanation. Number one, the Apostle John will give these believers what we call the scriptural test, where believers are called upon to go into the Bible and examine and seek to understand God's word, for only by knowing what is true will they be able to tell the difference between what is true and what is not. But number two, John is going to give them what I call the Jesus test, or what theologians would call the Christological test. The, the study of Christ or, or who Jesus is. John is going to tell them that one of the indicators of falsehood is how the false teachers will distort the identity of who Jesus is. So believers, by seeking to discern truth from error, they must seek to find out what they are being taught about who Jesus is. Who do these pastors or teachers or apostles or prophets say Jesus is? And what they say about them will either mean that they are false teachers or they are true teachers. Test number three that John will give his bre the brethren is what we call the character test or the lifestyle test. That by looking at the lives of preachers or pastors or teachers or prophets or apostles, you can easily tell whether these men and women are led by the Spirit of God or not. The other test, which I call test number four, is what I would call the worldview test, where the Apostle John reminds the brothers that you will know those who follow Christ truly by looking at how they understand life. For instance, are they interested in the things, the pleasures, and the attractions of this world, or... Are they the kind of believers who out of love for Christ and honest expectation of his return and coming kingdom have forsaken the world to hold Christ dearly? What is their worldview? What is the lens through which they understand life today? Do they see it through the eyes of scripture? Do they see it through the teachings and the life of Jesus? Or do they see it according to the culture, the ways and the traditions of this world? And test number five that the Apostle John will give us is what we call the apostolic test or the doctrine test. And I will explain a little more on what that really means for us. And John essentially is saying that for believers to be able to stand guard against the deception that characterizes their day, they must be able to apply these tests to everything they hear, to every teaching they hear, to every kind of uh, news or information they are exposed to, 
Only in subjecting these things to the test will they be able to know whether they are true or not, and therefore know whether to receive them or not. Brothers, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. And test number one we have said is using scripture to test what you are hearing. When somebody stands up to preach, what are they preaching? How do you know that it is of God? How do you know that it is biblical? Step number one is that you want to open the scriptures and find out is what the preacher saying in line with what the word of God has said. Because God has already revealed his word and his will to the believers through the written scriptures. If God, for instance, has said that what God has put together, no man shall put asunder in terms of marriage, you would wonder if you had a preacher who is saying it's okay to divorce as long as you know you are no longer in love with your partner. You would wonder, is this God's spirit speaking through this man or is it the spirit of the Antichrist? And of course, if you know what Jesus said in Matthew 19 about the need to remain faithful to one's partner in marriage, you would know that this preacher is not speaking by the spirit of God. We have an example of the Berean Christians that we find in Acts chapter 17 where the Belian Christians were diligent in their study of scriptures, that every time they had the Apostle Paul preach, they went back and studied the scriptures daily to see whether what Paul has had said was in line with the word of God. Now, these are believers who have had an opportunity of listening to one of the most powerful preachers of the day, one of the greatest apostles of, his, of their time, a man who should have been believed just by his authority, if not by his ability to perform miracles and wonders. But surprisingly, the Berean Christians do not believe Paul because of miracles, nor do they believe him because he spoke so powerfully or so compellingly, nor do they believe him because he said he's an apostle. What they do is that they open the scriptures. They search them daily, not once in a while, not once a month, not annually. But daily, this is a consistent discipline. And through the study of the scriptures, they are able to say, Paul, we now believe you because what you said is in agreement with the scriptures. They only believe Paul if his teachings are consistent with the word of God. Now, how many of us Christians actually use the word of God to judge or test the teachings of the pastors, the preachers, the prophets that we hear on TVs and radios today? How many of us are testing them? The Apostle John says that we needed to be able to test. And one way of testing is knowing what the truth of God's word already says. Testing number two, we say this, the Jesus test. You will notice that the Apostle John tells them that by this you will know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. What is John saying? John is speaking to an audience where there were false teachers that were preaching the divinity of Jesus at the expense of his humanity. They were teaching that Jesus was God. Yes, Jesus was miraculous. Jesus was powerful. But they denied that Jesus was man. And John is saying the Jesus we find in the scriptures is both God and also man. But these teachers, false teachers in John's time, are teaching that Jesus could not have been human. And John is saying that what preachers say about Jesus will tell you a lot of which spirit is at work in their lives. 
if they deny the identity of Jesus as having been fully God and fully man, those teachers cannot be under the influence of God. On the contrary, they are under the spirit of the Antichrist, and you must not believe them. The Jesus test is extremely important, especially in our day, where we have so many cultic groups and churches that distort the identity of Jesus, either reducing him to the level of just being a good human being, or reducing him to just having been a spirit being, but not really man. But the Jesus who is revealed in the scriptures is both God and man, and he can only bring salvation to sinful mankind if he is in those two natures. Any spirit that denies his humanity and his divinity cannot be a spirit from God. John says, but test number three is the character test. Notice how he looks at the lifestyle of these kinds of people. Number one, he says that these people are usually taken up by the things of the world. And the world no wonder listens to them and agrees with them because what they are saying is in conformity with the things of the world. When you look at the lifestyle of a believer, or even a Christian leader for that matter, do they live in consistence with the teachings of Scripture? Are they on a desperate pursuit for holiness and purity of both heart and mind? Do they deny themselves of the pleasures of this world in the pursuit of the greater good which is following Jesus Christ? Are they selfless and laying down their lives for the cause of Jesus and the gospel? Or are they grabbers of everything they can lay hands on, even when it means hurting those that are under them or behind them? By looking at what is important in the lives of these leaders or even these believers, you can tell what is important for them. Is really Jesus the center and focus of their faith? Or are they seeking the pleasures and the goodies of this world at the expense of the coming kingdom of God? Remember the words of Jesus in Matthew 6, that seek ye not the things of this world, but seek after God's kingdom and after his righteousness, and then all these other things shall be added unto us. So the character of these teachers will tell you, the lifestyle of these teachers will tell you whether Jesus is central to their faith or whether Jesus is one of the many things that they are pursuing. John says, don't just look at what they teach, but also look at how they live. Their theology must result into practice. Their behavior and lifestyle must mirror the teachings of the Bible in order for them to be men and women led by the Spirit of God. Do they live according to what they believe? Do they follow and obey the teachings of Scripture? Or do they pursue the things of this world even when it might mean denying Jesus or bringing his name into disrepute? And character number four is almost like the same as number three, the worldview test. That by looking at the things that are dear and that matter to these teachers and preachers, you can easily tell which spirit is behind them. For instance, today, if you come across a preacher, or you go to a church where a preacher spends two hours talking about money and cars and big houses and how to be rich even when you have not worked, how to be promoted even when you are not qualified. Can you really listen to a man like that and conclude that such a man has a biblical worldview? What does the Bible say about money? What does the Bible say about riches? What does the Bible say about biblical worship? When we come to church, do we come to church so that we can get things from God? 
Or do we come in church to acknowledge God and recognize him as the supreme almighty God who is worthy of our worship, worthy of our surrender, worthy of our submission, worthy of our money. Instead, we come to church to give him, not to take away. Prosperity gospel preachers are a clear indicator of people who have adopted a secular worldview, even though they may use it in the name of Jesus. It may be Christianized, but a secular worldview. And the Apostle John says that if they care about the things of the world, and they are in conformity with the practices and traditions and systems of this world, it is a clear indicator that they are of the world. And that's why the world listens to them. That's why the world receives them. That's why the world loves them. But a true believer led by the Spirit of God quite often will experience conflict and struggle against the world because his biblical worldview will often contradict the worldview of the world in which we live today. Test number five is what we call the doctrine test or the apostolic test. See how the Apostle Paul from verses 6 says it. He says that we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. Why does the Apostle John say it is important for believers to listen to him? Is he trying to be proud and show that he is special more than the other Christian leaders of his day? No. The Apostle John is speaking in his capacity and authority as an apostle. And he is saying that believers led by the Spirit of God will find it easy to listen to what the apostles are teaching because remember the apostles are not teaching their man-made traditions or opinions. They are not teaching their individual persuasions. They are actually teaching the inspired word of God. In fact, the apostles have been given the authority and the privilege of laying down the doctrine of the church. So John is not just saying that people should listen to him as an apostle, but he is saying they should listen to his teachings because those teachings are the doctrine of the church, the doctrine of the Christian faith, the doctrines or the beliefs that believers must uphold as true, must uphold as from God, must uphold as without error. So the apostle John is saying that true believers will obey the doctrines that have been laid down by the apostles in the scripture. And when you listen to pastors and prophets and teachers, the first thing you want to find out is how consistent they are with the doctrines that are already laid down in scripture for us. For instance, if the Bible teaches us that God exists in Trinity, that God is one God in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, what does your pastor believe about the Trinity? Because that is a central doctrine of the Christian faith. In fact, without it, the Christian faith falls. If you find a pastor or a teacher who denies the resurrection, yet the Bible tells us that it is on the basis of the resurrection that Christianity stands, can you deny the resurrection and still be a Christian? And the answer is no. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, then everything we believe or even stand for is useless. After all, that means that we all we do is live, eat, drink, for tomorrow we die, end of the story. But the resurrection changes everything. The resurrection rewrites the narrative. It gives hope to the hopeless. It gives a second chance to all those that have trusted in Jesus Christ. It gives us something to look forward to. 
that there is life beyond the short life of this world here. And so as believers we live not for the things of this world, but for the things of the coming kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. If somebody denies the doctrines of the Christian faith, they are clearly not operating by the Spirit of God, but by the Spirit that John described as one of the Antichrist. So the Apostle John is saying that there is a way believers can know whether they are being led by the Spirit of God or by the Spirit of the Antichrist. By looking at what Scripture says, by looking at what the teachers are teaching about Jesus, who Jesus is, whether he is really taught as being fully God and fully man or not, by looking at the lifestyle and the character of those teaching the gospel or those who are claiming to be under the influence of the Spirit of God, by analyzing the worldview of these pastors and teachers, and by looking at how committed they are to the central doctrines of the Christian faith, the doctrines that affect our salvation and our relationship with God. By having those tests and exercising them, believers can tell whether they are being deceived by the spirit of error or not. And by being able to differentiate between the spirit of God and the spirit of error, they will be able to stand firm in the faith, they will be able to correct those who are in error, they will be able to defend their faith from being corrupted or distorted. Can believers be deceived? By now you agree with me? Yes, the answer is yes. Believers can be deceived. The Apostle John says the Antichrist is already here. And his goal is to distort the truth of the gospel and mislead God's people. But John has also given us ways in which we can understand, identify, and resist and respond to those who teach these kinds of errors. And he has called all believers to be on guard, to be watchful, to be discerning, to be able to tell the difference between the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Brothers, we are living in tough times. We are living at a time where the Christian faith is under attack like never before. If it has not happened to you, one of these days it will. Somebody will approach you with a big smile, probably with the best of intentions, and claim that God has sent him to give you a word for the season or a message or a plan for your life. But I urge you, listen carefully, because chances are a lot of what you are going to hear is going to be very far divorced from the teachings of the Bible. Brothers, brethren, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. May the Lord bless you so much as you think about these things. May the Lord keep you firm and secure in your faith. May the Lord develop discernment in you that knowing how to tell truth from error, you may be protected from the schemes of the evil one and not led captive into deceptive destruction. To learn more about the Africa Center for Apologetics Research, visit us at africanapologetics.org.